Hey guys, welcome to the Friar Domination Podcast. My name is David Drogemeyer. I am your host. I am a writer from San Diego Sports Domination.com, one of San Diego's top sports blogs. I've been covering the Padres probably about six years or so, writing articles and doing podcasts. Uh, but I've been a fan of the Padres my entire life. So um, I've definitely been watching this team. I think I've probably watched or listened to every single Padres game the last, I would say, 10 years. And uh, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, even in 2014, when I was in Afghanistan, I was listening to Jesse Agler and Ted uh, Ted Leitner and Tony Gwynn Jr. and Bob Scanlon on the radio when I couldn't watch it um, on my tablet or on my phone at the time. So I love the Padres, man. And there's a lot to talk about on this show. I mean, I haven't gone on and talked to Padres baseball in a while, and a lot has happened. I mean, this 2020 offseason was crazy. The Padres made several moves. They really shored up their starting rotation. We also have to talk about the incredibly massive 14-year, $340 million extension for Fernando Tatis Jr. That went down today as we are recording this on the 17th of February, and it is unbelievable to think that the San Diego Padres now have two players that they have issued a contract of larger than $300 million. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be a San Diego Padre until he is 36 years old. Let that sink in. I mean, what an offseason for this guy, too. I mean, he's going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 21, who, which is awesome. And, and of course... How, could it be really anybody else? I mean, it, it couldn't be. He's the most electric player in baseball, and he just got paid by it uh, or just got paid like it. We'll definitely get more into that a little bit later in the show. I also want to talk about Jace Tingler's introductory press conference uh, with the media, his Zoom call, um, you know, as pitchers and catchers reported to camp in Peoria, Arizona. And he had a lot to talk about. I mean, there's, you know, comments on Denelson Lamette, Blake Snell, thoughts on the offseason, you Darvish, Chris Paddock, the young pitchers, and even some comments on Luis Capusano. So a lot to get into. But uh, on this show, we are going to get a little bit more information on the Padres' newest infielder from the KBO and from Korea, Ha Sung Kim. On today's show, I have a great conversation with Ji Ho Yu, and we get to talk about all kinds of things like, does Ha Sam Kim have a, a nickname from the KBO? What type of personality he has? Kind of this, the way that you work your way up in, into the KBO, like what the process is. We know how structured it is here in uh, in America and in the, in the major leagues. We know that you're going to go to college or you're going to go to high school. You're going to sign out of high school. Things are a little bit different in, in Korea and in the KBO and the rules. So you'll be interested to learn a little bit more about that and kind of why he just picked the Padres. So uh, that's going to definitely happen a little bit later on in the show but uh let's uh, get this thing cracking man with the biggest news of the year and of course i am talking about the padres signing their phenom shortstop fernando tatis jr to a mega mega extension a 14 year 340 million dollar extension per mark feinstein Fernando Tatis Jr.'s 14-year contract begins in 2021. He will get a full no-trade clause 
in a signing bonus, a signing bonus north of ten million dollars, and there's no money that's going to be deferred in this deal. So he is going to get all of that three hundred forty million during the life of his contract. None of that money is going to be paid out later on. Uh, this is the second client for uh, MVP Sports to get a contract of more than three hundred million out of the Padres. Of course, that other other person is the great. Manny Machado, the third baseman of the San Diego Padres. So to see those two guys, the fact that they both have mega contracts, they are going to be on the Padres for a long, long time. I think the Padres hit a home run here. And of course, we won't know because this is an extremely long-term deal, but they obviously truly believe in him. And and Fernando believes in the Padres too, or else he wouldn't have accepted a no-trade clause. Uh, he he would have probably had some opt-outs in that. But I think this commitment here, this contract here, Fernando really loves San Diego, and he really truly believes it. And he he really he said that with his actions, signing this contract and getting that no trade clause. So uh, an incredible deal. Uh, I mean, I think this kind of caps off a, a, an incredibly crazy but almost perfect off season for the San Diego Padres, and that. I think nicely takes me into the next conversation here, and that is the Padres' crazy offseason. I mean, in 2020, they, uh, I mean, they made some moves, man. They really moved some pieces around. So I think, uh, you know, that starts with the starting rotation. They went out and they got two bona fide aces via trade. They went and got Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay Rays, and they got Yu Darvish from the Cubs. And, uh, they also got another great piece to, to add to the rotation, a San Diego kid. That would be, of course, Joe Musgrove. I mean, the the, the solid starting pitcher from the Pirates. Uh, he's not going to overwhelm you, overwhelm you with overpowering speed, but this guy knows how to pitch. And he's really pitched his best baseball, I think, the last couple of years. So uh, crazy excited about these acquisitions. I mean, you Darvish is Crazy. I mean, he almost won the Cy Young Award the last couple of years. Blake Snell, obviously, right up there in the Cy Young Award for the AL as well. Uh, some controversy of over how Blake Snell was utilized, and uh, you know, so hopefully, you know, with him getting a fresh start over here with the Padres, that he's going to be able to get stretched out, and we're going to get a little little more into that with Jace Tingler's comments on Blake Snell and several others, but. Um, I mean, this offseason for the Padres is crazy. I mean, Blake Snell, you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Hassan Kim from the KBO. Um, they go out and get Melanson. They, they get Keona Kella. I mean, they really have invested in this team. They are screaming, I am ready to win now. I am going for it. I am trying to put everything together to win a championship for the city of San Diego. I mean, it seems abundantly clear to me. And I'm excited for it. The Padres have been really bad for a long time. Before 2020, they hadn't been to the playoffs in 10-plus years. And we've seen a lot of really bad teams, a lot of bad moves in the organization. We've seen a lot of bad trades. But now, now it's time. Now it's now it's our time. Now it's the Padres' time to finally shine. They really have put together a great organization from the bottom to the top. They have talent from the bottom to the top. Even after making all those trades, they still have a top 10 farm system in all of baseball. So they really have built this thing right. And, uh, you know, that takes me into this, uh, you know, uh, introductory press conference for, for when pitchers and catchers 
have reported to spring training. That's right, people. Baseball is officially back. And Jace Tingler talked about a litany of different things in this introductory press conference. And I think it's... uh, I think it's important to start with the starting rotation and talk about Denelson Lamette. A lot of people are very concerned with Denelson Lamette, as, of course, he didn't pitch in the playoffs last year because he was dealing with some elbow issues. And whenever you have anything to deal with an elbow uh, and you're a pitcher, obviously that's extremely alarming. You know, you know that you know those, those words that creep into the back of your mind, uh, Tommy John, uh, it just keeps... Rear, it'll rear its ugly head, and you just don't want anything to do with the elbow when you're a pitcher, and especially coming off the year that Denelson Lamette had. I mean, he was absolutely dominant. I mean, this guy has a rare ability to throw a baseball 98, 99 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour with great accuracy, a slider that has a couple of different variations to it that has just incredible tilt, just absolutely nasty. Uh, this guy, I mean, he has everything going for him and then he gets hurt and he gets a platelet rich injection to try to heal that elbow, to try to avoid surgery, to try to keep him on track. And it seems like he is according to Jace Tingler. He said he's on track. He's looking strong. He's done everything that the organization has asked him to do. But I think we won't know for sure how Denelson Lamette is doing until we see him on diamond on that on that mound throwing sliders in a real game time situation and how he recovers from that. More importantly, is he going to be able to continue to pitch like he is pitched in the past? He, we know that he's a 50 plus percent slider guy. He throws the slider more than he throws the fastball. Is his elbow, is his arm going to be able to do that? Is it going to be ready for the rigors of an entire season? I mean, I think they're really going to have to be careful with the, with Denelson Lamette and uh, make sure that he is ready to go and they do everything they can to avoid any serious injury with him. I mean, that takes us to the next acquisition, Padres starting rotation, and that is Blake Snell. His comments on Blake Snell, he said that he's healthy, and when he is right and he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. And uh, they they asked about his workload, and of course that was something that came into question in the World Series when he got yanked after throwing seven innings and 73 pitches uh, when he was just on a roll. Um, although they just didn't believe in letting him go through the lineup a third time, and I think it's going to be a little bit different here. Although, uh, you know, the Padres and Jace Tingler said that we got to build that up. We have to make sure that, uh, you know, we do that properly and we make sure that we work our way towards letting him go. Because Blake Snell is a horse. I mean, he is a guy that's capable of going six, seven, eight, even a complete game. He is capable of doing that. But they need to be smart. Coming off of a shortened season, they have to make sure that he's built up the right way and that he's going to be ready to go out there and execute and really perform the way he is capable of. And I think as the season goes on, you're going to see him go later and later into games until he's in midseason form. But then uh, Jace Tingler also got asked about his thoughts on the offseason, and he said that it was very exciting, and of course it was. I mean, he said it was really nice to address some needs. Uh, we believe that we've done that. He said they got some chemistry. Uh, they got to build that chemistry. Uh, they got to eliminate the noise. They said there's more attention on them than they had in the past. Um, they're very. He said that he's very concerned over his pitchers, especially since you know they haven't swung a bat in a couple of years, having to switch things back to the NL game. Um, 
But they said that they're preparing as if there's not going to be a universal DH, and I think that's probably the best policy. You don't want to go out there on day one uh, or you know a couple weeks before the season, and then they say, oh, well, sorry, we're not using the DH, and you have done no PFPs. You've no, done no bunting. You've never, you haven't put a pitcher in a box. I mean, that stuff is inexcusable. I mean, you have to make sure and plan no matter what the situation is. And they said they're going to be flexible and they're going to make sure that they can adapt on the fly. But, you know, we're going to have to see. I mean, we're, we're going to have to see. Well, I'm sure that Jay Stingler will have his team ready. I mean, he he, he did that last year. I, I think he'll do that again this year. But, he, he went in, uh, he was also asked about you Darvish. I mean, he's asked about all the new guys, obviously no surprise there, but he said that you Darvish has probably had the most success that he's had in his career in the last year and a half. And I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's hard to dispute that. And he also said a pretty interesting tidbit. He said that you Darvish actually does long toss with both arms. He throws with his right arm and his left arm long toss. Now, if you've ever thrown a ball with your opposite arm, just any time, you know how awkward that is, how difficult that is, how just weird. It's just a weird feeling. It just doesn't feel right. So for him to have the ability to throw a baseball like long toss, you know, over 200 plus feet with both arms is absolutely insane. That is really hard to think about. So just a, that's a crazy tidbit. I, I, I was blown away by that. <laughs> he also said that he loves that uh, he's got some really quality experience and some quality innings that he's going to be able to impart that knowledge to the younger kids on the staff. And he said he's probably one of the best pitchers in the league at manipulating the baseball. This guy throws like six different pitches, guys. I mean, he has two or three different sliders. He has a, a splitter, a changeup, a fastball, a two-seam, a four-seam. I mean, and everything comes out of the same arm slot. You just don't know what's coming. He, he, he's That's why he's so successful. And it's going to be fun watching him this year for sure. A guy that I think needs to bounce back, uh, I think we all know that he has the ability, um, is Chris Paddock. And he was asked about Chris Paddock, and he said that uh, you know he's got to get the fastball right. He's got to get the ride on the fastball the, like he had in his rookie year where he had that late life going up in the zone at 97-98. A little bit of movement too. He said that he wants to see that work that he put in in the offseason translate itself onto the field in Peoria and uh, really showcase well. He said he wants to mix his pitches. He wants to see that splitter, that changeup, that fastball. He said that changeup is better when that fastball has more ride and more tilt to it. And I tend to agree. Um, you know, we want to see him get that confidence back. We want to see Chris Paddock go out there and be the sheriff. I mean, I think that might have put a little bit too much pressure on him with the nickname and all that. But, I mean, I think people are just excited, man. They were just excited to watch and have a character to root for. And I think, uh, you know, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's still young. Uh, I think he is, is hungry. You know, I think he put the work in in the offseason, and we're going to have to see what that looks like. Um, they also talked about some of the young pitchers really quickly. They talked about uh, Gore and Morihon and Weathers, and they said the plan for Morihon and Weathers were they were going to stretch those guys out to be starting pitchers. They want Weathers and Morihon to be ready to pick up some starts early on in the year. Um, they also talked about Michel Baez and how they're going to stretch him out too, but it's going to be really more of a long relief type of situation. He's going to be a multi-ending guy, but they don't really expect him to be uh, set up as a starter, at least not uh, at the start. 
And then the last thing that we kind of I want to cover here and talk about uh, that he talked about in this press conference was Luis Camposano. Um, and then per AJ Casavell, who covers the Padres and does an excellent job for MLB.com, said that Luis Camposano is in uh, camp with the Padres following his arrest um, in October over marijuana possession. And he said they didn't really talk about that. They're not going to get any into sp- any specifics. So that's pretty typical. They're, they're not going to really talk about ongoing legal matters. But he did say, we won't expect any limitations going forward, so we feel good about where he is at his situation. Camposano, the team's number three prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, is in a tight battle for what's likely to be the last available place on the bench. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to make sure and and watch him and see what that situation looks like because he's going to be fighting against Victor Caratini and and Austin Nola for, you know, for some some starts behind home home plate. And uh, we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, I think this is going to be a big, uh, you know, spring training for a big camp for him to see if he's able to establish himself and be that catcher of the future. I know the Padres have a lot of high hopes and a lot of expectations for him. So if he's able to stay stay, stay clean, stay uh, strong, and, and don't get in, into any trouble, I think the sky is the limit for Luis Camposano. But without further ado, guys, I mean, now it's time for my conversation with Jiho Yu. Uh, who covers the KBO, and uh, you know we're gonna get a little bit more information on Hassan Kim. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Jiho Yu, who covers the KBO in English for the Yawn Nap News in Seoul, he also contributes to the KBO on ESPN. And make sure and go follow him on Twitter at Jiho underscore one to get all your information on the KBO. I mean, just a, a great follow. I mean, he recently just wrote a couple of pieces on Hassan Kim, so I reached out and said. Hey, I mean, why don't we uh, get you on the show and talk a little bit more about Hassan Kim? So before we get into that, before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started covering the KBO? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I started uh, my journalism career uh, in 2005. I was at a different, uh, smaller, I guess, English newspaper in Korea. Uh, I covered a little bit of uh, sports, a couple of other beats uh, during my, I guess, five and a half years there. And then... Uh, I joined uh, my current uh, uh, outlet, Yonham News. Uh, we're the largest uh, news agency in Korea currently. Um, so wow. I joined the company in 2010, and uh, I started getting into uh, sports, uh, I guess, with a uh, uh, little more, uh, I guess, uh, more extensively uh, around 2010. And, uh, been, well, you know, my first KBO game uh, was covering it was back in 2006. And that also happened to be uh, the uh, the rookie of the year, MVP year of the Hyunjin Ryu, uh, of formerly of the Dodgers right now. Oh, wow. So uh, that was in 2006. I didn't cover it as extensively as I do now. Um, but uh, since 2010, 2011-ish, yeah, I've been you know pretty much uh, uh, into KBO quite a bit. Uh, this is the largest uh, professional league in Korea, number one sport in Korea, uh, ahead of uh, soccer and volleyball and basketball and, uh, and whatnot. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty a uh, big deal to um, to be covering, uh, I guess, KBO full time in English too. So there's, you know, there's probably myself and uh, virtually no one, no one else who does it uh, in English language in, in Korea at the moment. So, uh, so that's, I guess, pretty much it. 
Wow. I mean, you're in a really unique position. I mean, you get to cover the KBO and you get to cover some of these players that are going to transition over from the KBO to the major leagues. And I mean, it seems like you already have some pretty crazy experience. So this has got to be so much fun for you to be able to to cover uh, baseball over there in Korea. But Hassan Kim joined the KBO at 18 years old. Is it normal for that to happen in the KBO? I mean, what is the kind of typical path to professional baseball in Korea? Yeah, I guess he was, he's an October uh, birth. Uh, so I think the, the way the draft is set up, uh, his birthday kind of works out in the way that he was actually uh, 18 when he made his professional debut. He didn't play a lot in his first year. Um, so it, it kind of worked out uh, that, uh, you know, he turned 19 the later in the same year, but he, when he debuted, he was actually 18. Um, for some of the highly touted prospects, uh, they come out of high school, get drafted. Uh, those who go to college, uh, there's no like you got to if you go to college, you got to finish it. Basically, you can't just drop out, enter a draft. Uh, if you drop out, you become a free agent, I, I would think. And you kind of sign, let's say, some, something like professional tryout contract, that kind of thing, and try to make the team that way. But if you're okay. going, if you wanted to enter a draft, you you've got to be in the final year of your study, whether it's the final year in high school, or final year in college. Wow. So a lot of the most of the good players come out of high school, basically, because they you know they feel like you know what I just go to pro, start making money right away. Why why, why would I want to spend four years in college when I'm when I knew I'm good enough to play in pro? So right. him, you know, he was actually a second round, third round pick. So he wasn't, he probably wasn't even the best prospect coming out of his high out of his own high school how many rounds um, are they having in the draft uh in, uh, in the you know, they're right now they're 10 teams uh uh 10 rounds so okay some, you know some teams choose not to make their picks later in the round so it's up to 10 picks per year so gotcha uh, but back then he was drafting in uh 2013 and played his first game in 2014 and again he wasn't really that uh much of a prospect now uh, maybe he was one of those guys he was one of those guys who might who people thought might be able to get some regular job somewhere in KBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, you know, he was a sort of third baseman slash shortstop, mostly shortstop. But when he got drafted by the Heroes, uh, he was blocked at the time by uh, Jung Ho Gang, who actually played for the Pirates for a couple of years in 2015, 2016. And he got into some legal trouble. And, and that was the end of his career. So when mm-hmm. Kim first got drafted, he was in the minors and he got blocked by Kong. And then Kong went to the Pirates for the 2015 season. And Kim became an everyday shortstop right away in 2015 uh, at age 19. And actually hit 19 homers and stole 22 bases uh, wow. that year. So I just came out of nowhere, I would think. Um, uh, and then became, has, become, has been an everyday shortstop since. And then played a little bit of third base last year for the Heroes. And then, and, uh, as we all know, he signed with the Padres. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, I mean, what can you kind of tell us about Hassan Kim's personality? I mean, kind of who he is as a person. I mean, what kind of yeah. player is he? I mean, how would you describe his game? Well, he's, he's a quiet guy, just personality-wise. Uh, he's, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't see him as a uh, sort of rah-rah kind of guy. He's very unassuming. Uh, he's not the most interesting interview because uh, <laughs> he, he kind of sticks to cliches. You know, we've got our Korean versions of He's got a good PR coach. Yeah, keep him under 10%, take him one day at a time, that kind of thing. Yeah, the PR uh, so, coach for sure. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it was a bit of a surprise for Korean writers too when he first had his Zoom session with the uh, San Diego beat writers and some of the Korean writers also were able to jump in. 
And it was kind of surprising to us when he said, oh, you know, my goal is to win the rookie of the year and help the, help the team win the championship at some that's point. That's quite a statement. And for him, that's a quite a statement, yeah. Because uh, he never usually, uh, he's very careful with his words in interviews. He has been anywhere in Korea. So he, mm-hmm. he's never gone out and said, you know what, oh, I'm going to go go hit 40 homers this year. I'm going to go steal like 50 bases. He never set <laughs> those specific goals in the Korea. Uh-huh. And for him to actually declare that I'm going to go out there and try to win the rookie of the year, uh, that was a big deal. So when he had that Korean press conference before he left, uh, he was asked about that. And he said, I just wanted to show people in San Diego that, and I'm coming in with a specific goal in mind, and I've got this drive to really help the team. And you know, basically, if I end up winning the rookie of the year, that means I've had a good season, I've been able to help the team. So that's why he kind of went out of his own comfort zone uh, to say those things. Um, Kim, the player, uh, again, he's very toolsy. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he can hit for power. Uh, he's for pretty good average. Um, he, he can, he's not the fastest guy, but he can, he, get good, he gets good jumps. So last year he stole 23 bases. Yeah. And then I think he stole the first 20 without getting caught. Wow. So that's, uh, that's a record in KBO. Uh, most steals, most steals from the start of the season without getting caught. So he stole that's 20 straight awesome. last year. Wow. So he's had a couple of uh, four 20, still, 20 plus still seasons out of, uh, you know, seven, six full seasons in KBO. And then, you know, I think 19 overs a couple of times, 20 plus overs four times. So good, very good tools. Uh, he can play short, he can play third. And uh, as uh, AJ Preller once uh, himself said, guys who play in the middle of the infield, they can move around a little bit because of their athleticism. And he's got that. Uh, I, I think just to compare him to Kong, the last uh, shortstop or middle infielder to go from the KBO to the majors, Kong had more raw power, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Kim is a better fielder to me. Okay. Uh, more, a little more athletic. Uh, smaller. Uh, Kim is a little smaller than Kong. Kong was, you know, he, he had sort of a thick upper body, mm-hmm. not your prototypical, I guess, shortstop per se. Although we're going to see, we, we're seeing bigger and, you know, power hitting shortstop nowadays a little more. But Back then, Kong was, Kong was drafted as a catcher. They turned him into shortstop. Uh, whereas Kim, uh, he's, he's not quite six foot. I think he's about 5'11", 5'10", uh, give or take. Uh, but uh, he's, he's bulked up a little bit too in, in recent years. And, you know, this offseason, he said he was kind of focusing on improving his upper body strength as well, just because he's now going to the majors and he wants to, you know, develop more of his strength. So, you know, you're gonna, we're going to see... A, a, you know, bigger upper body, I think, from uh, from Kim this coming year. But uh, he's stature-wise, he's not uh, he's not the most imposing guy physically. Yeah, no, and he's coming onto a, a a team in the Padres that has a lot of depth, and he's probably not going to play every single day. Uh, but I mean, it is a big transition coming from the KBO to the major leagues. I mean, it's a different speed, it's a a different level of competition. So I mean, I think it's wise for him to really invest in his body and make sure that he's ready to go over the span of 162 games. But um, just as a kind of a random question here from a fan, uh, he said, uh, "Does Hassam Kim have any nicknames, uh, or did he get any nicknames while playing in the KBO?" Oh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> not that you were. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, the KBO fans are not. There's a couple of guys who have a whole bunch of nicknames. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Hassan wasn't. I don't think he was one of them. 
I don't know. You guys can give him one now, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, yeah. hey, you guys listening out there? I mean, maybe you could be the 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 guy or the girl who gives him his next nickname. But uh, on to the next question here. Kim had several suitors this off season. I mean, and he was coming off of a great year. I mean, by all accounts, three hundred six average, thirty home runs, one hundred nine RBIs, a three ninety seven on base, a nine twenty one OPS. I mean, the stolen bases that you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, with all those suitors, why do you think that he ultimately chose to uh, join the Padres? Yeah, so Toronto Blue Jays were one team that he himself confirmed has some interest in him. And mm-hmm. I, I, I spoken to his agent before, too, and then he said there are like five, six teams that are they're really in on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even had five-year offers and six-year offers, and he ended up taking four, which I guess an option for a fifth year. Uh, because he's betting on himself, basically. And then with the, in terms of choosing choosing the Padres, and Kim himself said he wanted to basically surround himself with talented players. Uh, he kind of hesitated a little bit because of the influence situation with the Padres. You know, obviously Machado is third, Tatis mm-hmm. is short. Mm-hmm. Those are his natural positions. And he knew going in, if he signed with the Padres, he would have to switch positions, possibly to second base. Even there, he's going to have to compete with the uh, Cronenworth. Or I guess somebody has to place in the outfield at some point. But he knew all of that. Uh, but ultimately, uh, he wanted to win a championship. And he felt the Padres would give him the best chance of doing that. And he said the Padres were the most, most aggressive team of all the pursuing uh, clubs during the, uh, during the process. And again, he hasn't won a championship in the KBO. Uh, he's been to the final once, uh, the Korean Series uh, 2019, and they didn't win. Uh, so he really wanted to go and try to win the World Series uh, at some point. And he felt the Padres would give him the best chance of doing that. And he wanted to, you know, he said, you know, he's still only 25 years old. So mm-hmm. he thinks, feels like he's going to be able to learn a lot from playing next to guys like Machado and Tatis and Hosmer and, you know, all these great infielders. So that's, I think, why he ended up signing with the Padres. Well, I mean, we're definitely excited to have him. And I mean, with everything that we're learning and, you know, all the information that you're giving us, too, I think it just confirms uh, what kind of talent this guy is. But, uh, you know, my next question is, you know, what does the excitement level of, of in Korea of him coming over and playing in the major leagues? Do you think there's going to be anybody tuning in to watch him specifically uh, play for the Padres? Oh, yeah, it's a big deal. Anytime a KBO player goes to the majors, uh, it's a big source of pride for KBO fans in Korea, uh, especially if they have success. It's really validation of the KBO. Uh, you know, like, like I mentioned Ryu at the top, uh, you know, he was the first guy, first Korean player from the KBO to go to the majors through the posting system. And he had great success, right? Uh, you know, Cy Young runner-up 2019 with the Dodgers in Third place Cy Young last year with the GAs, and a whole handful of guys have made the jumps ever since. Uh, they haven't had all that kind of success. Not all of them have had that kind of success. But anytime you know someone goes over from the KBO to to the majors, uh, it's it's a big deal. And we, you know, one of the cable sports cable stations in Korea has a deal, has a broadcast uh, deal with MLB, so they're going to be able to watch a lot of the Korean players. Uh, in the majors on cable live so you know west coast the time kind of works out okay uh because the games will probably begin around 10 11 a.m so you know people can kind of sneak their uh uh you know kind of watch games on their mobile phones or their computers at work and all that kind of thing or they can also watch on demand later on so the games are readily available 
MLB games, uh, especially the teams that have Korean players on them. And the Padres will, Padres will now join, you know, that, uh, uh, that sort of this, this election where the fans are going to be able to watch a lot of the games. And uh, yeah, people are gonna, definitely going to tune in and they're going to keep a close eye on how he's going to be able to handle uh, major league pitching. So again, it's, you know, people feel pretty, pretty proud of the fact that one of our, one of our guys actually signed uh, with, um, with one of the major league teams. And, you know, you, you don't have necessarily have to be a fan of the heroes or even fan of the guy. The fact that one of the KBO players actually went to the majors and signed the big league deal, uh, you know, that's, uh, there's, there's a pretty big, pretty, uh, there's a lot of excitement, I think, uh, among the KBO fan base here. Yeah, so it's kind of like it doesn't matter who you root for. It's just one of our guys is going over yeah. to the majors. It it doesn't yeah. matter who they are. It's a Korean baseball player is going over to the mecca of baseball and yeah. playing yeah. in the majors. So yeah, that's it awesome. The national story at that point. Yeah, you know? like the heroes, his former team, they weren't the biggest draw in the KBO. Uh, they're kind of new, and then you know they've got other competing teams in the same market in the city of Seoul. And so they weren't the biggest draws. They were, I think, I, I think in fact, in 2019, the last full year when we had the fans in, they were probably among the last teams in the you know, fan attendance. So they weren't wow. the most popular, even though Kim himself is one of the most popular players. But now he goes to the majors. Now he's a national story. So you know, people who didn't even watch him a lot in the KBO, they're going to you know, start tuning in to watch the Padres play. Wow. Well, I mean, there you have it. I mean, Jiho, I, I really want to just tell you again, I really appreciate you taking the time to give us some insight on Ha Sung Kim and kind of who he is and what to expect going forward. I really appreciate it, and I hope to talk to you again t- sometime soon. Sure. Thanks for having me today. All right. All right. I'm going to stop. All right. I want to thank Jiho Yu once again for his time, uh, for Getting this scheduled with me on a relatively short notice, uh, I really do appreciate that. Um, great insight. I mean, I really do feel like I know Hassan Kim a lot better now, uh, having talked to Jiho Yu. And make sure, again, to go follow him on Twitter, at Jiho underscore one. Uh, he has great coverage on the KBO, not just on Hassan Kim, but all the players that are coming out of the KBO. But that's going to do it for this show. Uh, if you liked what you heard, guys, you can find me on Twitter at DroTalkSD. Of course, you can find the podcast on Twitter at FriarDomPod. I'm sure I'm going to be doing this again. I'm not sure exactly when that will be, but um, I'm really excited to be talking Padres baseball again. It was so much fun, and I hope you'll join me for the next time. Until then, go Padres. <laughs>